You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. guys today we're going to be talking all things food fads um you're with myself and carissa today and one of our favorite topics is talking about different food trends that we see in the clinic all the time with different clients um, we want to run through them talk about positives negatives um uh, we're not going to be going over them and dissing them yeah, yeah. dissing this them it's not a bag session it's more just let's just talk about how we feel about them the goods and the bads that we see of them obviously with everything there's a good and a bad mm-hmm. so obviously we have some that we prefer people to be on more so than others depending on what's right yeah. for them but obviously whatever you people decide to do we want them to have the right information about the choice that they're going to make i guess yes more the point definitely yes. <laughs> bam got it yeah, <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to run through some of the most common food trends that we see. Um, we're going to start with paleo, Pee-poo. which is <laughs> a very, very common diet trend at the moment. And look, there's probably some people listening, um, even though we're new to podcasting, maybe no mm. one's listening. Yeah. <laughs> but there's going to be some people who are like, oh my God, paleo is not a trend. And look, we understand that it's a lifestyle and there's some amazing things about mm. it, but we're going to be looking at it from the fact that it is a popular um, way of eating at the moment, which has mm. become quite trendy as such. Yeah. So, would you like to start talking about paleo? Or would you um, like me to lead I into it? I can start. Um, I guess firstly, I think one of the questions that we, I get asked most in clinic is my thoughts on paleo. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, as far as positives for paleo go, I think that it it has brought a lot to the table. It has brought a lot to the wellness sphere as far as um, healthy eating goes and more balanced eating. Um, I think the reason that there's been so much hype with it um, is that I guess a lot of people who were living maybe less healthy lifestyles um, switched to a healthy eating pattern. So we're looking at things like including quality proteins, um, more vegetables, more fruits, less um, processed processed foods, but maybe definitely less more processed carbohydrates, less processed sugar, um, and they see results, they lose weight, mm-hmm. they feel better, their energy improves. Um, I don't necessarily know if the paleo movement is the reason for that, I guess. I feel like if they had have maybe made those changes anyway without slapping a paleo label on it, mm-hmm. um, that it definitely would have happened anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess definitely. from a positivity point of view, as far as paleo diet goes and a movement or a health trend, whatever we're sort of calling it here, I guess... I'm happy about that. There's a lot of people that have come from probably living really unhealthy, maybe sedentary, highly processed carbohydrate dominant diets, and Mm. they've done these changes and they've seen benefits. So I have no complaints there about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The thing, I guess, my version, my side of the negative is it, um, A, I hate label slapping on diets. I think there's no one diet for any one person. Mm -hmm. Um, So that annoys me a little bit. There's so many versions of the paleo diet. Um, the no starchy carbohydrates or it does a lot of it seems to be a very low carbohydrate diet mm-hmm. um obviously jess and i <laughs> you know anything about us we're both very about balanced meals and ensuring people are getting the right types of carbohydrates in the right t- 
quantities for their body. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't necessarily agree with eliminating grains to achieve that if it's not necessary because it can Mm -hmm. strip a lot of other nutrients and stuff out of the diet um, and without the proper balance or the proper nutritional guidance, I guess you can be missing out on a lot. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's then there's the people who go, whoa, let's just eat half a swine a day, <laughs> <laughs> oink, oink, and I'm on a paleo diet, a diet and that's healthy. Yeah, so. and that's the problem, isn't it? It's the extremes and it's how people take it. So you've got people going, oh, paleo, that means lots of protein. Lots of meat, let's just yeah. And Tickets is that meat festival? That's it. <laughs> Go for gold. It's that bacon and egg fry up in the morning. Yeah. Those sorts of yeah. meals. And really, with paleo, realistically, it's more about a whole food, plant base with the addition of yeah. the protein. Um, I'm with you. I think there's some amazing concepts there. And realistically, at the end of the day, it's getting people to eat a healthy, balanced diet yeah, to a absolutely. point. Yeah. Um, the problem is there are some areas that people are encouraged to cut out and that may not be suited Mm. for everyone and if it's not taken in the right way and they're cutting out carbohydrates they are potentially cutting out a really important food fuel fuel and source (laughs) and look if that's if they're doing the type of paleo where they're including starchy veggies and so forth and a bit of quinoa and buckwheat and so forth like so bad yeah really good um you know realistically if i think of probably my diet and your diet it's probably the way we eat (laughs) (laughs) to a point but um you know you've really got to think about is it practical for every single person to be cutting those down really low or completely out um and then considering you know things like brown rice and wild rice and different sorts of grains there that might be suitable for some people in a balanced amount. And that definitely concerns me that it's put carbohydrates in that bad box, (laughs) box, box or the bag or the basket. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, you know, and that's a problem I think we see in clinic. We get people come in, don't we, that are following say a paleo diet and there's these fears surrounding carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing that, yeah, I think it's got me about it is that, yeah, people are actually scared to have carbs and scared they're going to put weight on or yeah. I suppose then from the bias section of the population that we see, you think of the people that are then scared of, I suppose, because there's now all the emerging culture of the whole gut bacteria and things like mm. that. They're like, well, I can't have starches because it's going to feed my bad gut bacteria. It's going to look after the good guys as well. So, yeah, exactly. You know, this, it is a whole balanced thing. And I think taking out any food group without the right yep. kind of guidance or for any extended yeah. period of time, like you need to you need to know what you're doing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I guess legumes too are part of paleo too. That, that's yeah. essentially stripped out as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, there's so much within that family that are beneficial mm. for the gut. And I, you know, I, I get the concept behind it with them being harder to break down and so forth. Mm. But, you know, it comes back to your digestion, you know. With paleo, obviously, peanuts being a legume, can they not have nut butter? Well, technically, technically peanut butter. butter. Sorry, Pete Evans, you've lost me. (laughs) 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 We're gone, we're done. Bam, gone, out the door. (laughs) Don't call me. (laughs) Awesome. All right, well, let's move on from paleo. We'll talk about raw food next. Mm. So that's become more and more popular. Um, I think a lot of these diets have become more and more popular thanks to social media. Absolutely. Raw food's a big one. People are really into like their raw desserts and their breakfast bowl smoothies and their salads and so forth. And, you know, the list goes on. And, man, they look pretty. They look amazing. They look so gorgeous. (laughs) Colour-tastic. And 
again, there's some good points here in that we've got a lot of plant-based food. Yeah. So we've got a lot of nutritional diversity there from that point. But because we're just doing raw foods, we're essentially going to be missing out on some other really key macronutrients. It's really common that the protein intake is going to be low unless, I mean, there's the, there's the nuts and the seeds and those sorts of things and potentially legumes, legumes. depending on how they're used. But getting enough protein is always a bit of an issue there's your b12 deficiencies potentially potentially iron yeah. depending on what people are doing if they know the right way to do things so this is crossing over into um even vegan, and vegan yeah too, isn't it definitely vegan, vegetarian similar, similar yeah issues i guess as far as definitely potential deficiency states yeah can, that can go yeah and like obviously we're pretty Pretty passionate about protein, yeah. Quality protein in again in the right amounts, yeah. Um, not too much protein, but mm. um, I know definitely like a lot of the vegan, vegetarian, or raw food people that we see um, definitely, I think um, assume that they're getting the amount of protein that they need from nuts and seeds and legumes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think trying to get your protein content from legumes is definitely doable. Mm. If I think I've said this before, if you are burning off that amount of carbohydrate content as well. Yeah. Not let, allowing that to become an issue. So yeah, for sure. So essentially, the more highly active you are, the more mm. legumes and mm. those sorts of based or plant-based protein sources you can consume without the carbohydrate, yeah, over carbohydrate consumption becoming an issue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and just being educated and understanding the protein content of mm. those different nuts and seeds and legumes and what's higher in protein than other sources. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I guess that whether people are bringing in raw plant-based protein powders and yeah, those sorts of factors. Yeah. But, you know, if they're doing raw, they're also probably not getting any form of grains. So there's, no, you know, or root veggies and stuff. I know, like but, there's, yeah. it depends on you how they're going. And, <laughs> I know, and that's the problem, isn't it? That people just, <laughs> a lot like, of them. This, you have to be <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be really onto it and you need to be educated. Yeah. And because it's become really popular and cool and trendy, mm. people are just like, oh, great. I want to be healthy and I want to have like yeah. a pretty smoothie bowl. So and I want to look like that girl doing that yoga pose. Yeah. Upside down. Those <laughs> great tights on. Um. And then there's a whole fact of raw food being a bit more taxing for the digestive system. Absolutely. So, you know, it's again about balance. So if we've got cooked food, raw food, mm-hmm. bringing them together, you're getting an array of different nutrients. You know, cooking food changes its structure, having it raw, it's in a different way. Yeah. And if people are having raw food all the time, they're potentially, you know, there's some, some nutrient changes there that are happening when food is cooked, but more so all the raw like nuts and the seeds and so forth. It's, it's hard and taxing on your gut, <laughs> don't you? You know, think about eating those raw desserts. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, it, I know myself, like, like I, I'm one totally a stickler for making, including raw food. Like how many yeah. times have you heard me say to my clients, add something live. Yeah. But um, yeah, like it does, it comes in balance. And yeah. Nuts are a big one, and people yeah. people are real on the sort of the more raw and vegan diets. Yeah. And it's not to say like nuts and seeds in moderation and mm. nut oil like are perfect, but like eating a bucket of nuts a day is yeah. not <laughs> <laughs> literally a bucket. <laughs> literally a bucket, <laughs> which is what we see sometimes. You yeah, know, that's like, it. Yeah. And again, it's that moderation, isn't it? Like go out to a cafe, have a piece of like raw cake or something of the like. Like not a worry, but if that's your everyday you know that's where it becomes a concern for me so as a lot of these 
really come to it's about getting advice yeah, and, and seeking education and make sure you're doing it correctly for like you. what you were saying before, being aware of the potential problematic outcomes mm-hmm. before you venture on this. Like if you yeah. want to be on a vegan diet for whatever reason or a raw diet or a vegetarian diet for whatever reason, we're behind you 100%. Mm. Like come, and, come and see mm. us or see someone who can get your iron levels checked, get... Um, B12, folate, all these things that are just exactly. going to be harder to get with the, um, with those sorts of diets and keep those things in check because yeah. it's not just like, okay, I've got a nutritional deficiency. It's the host of downstream biochemical reactions that are affected by mm. not having those nutrients readily mm. available. And especially like I know, I think we've talked about this a lot, mental health, mm-hmm. big one. Like yeah, huge. Neurotransmitter, huge. Like you yeah. need, you need yeah. these things. And I think so, so many of the most common things, well, I think that we see is anxiety, depression, yeah. you know, irritability, all these mm. sort of, um, low fatigue, all these mm. things that are so associated with these nutrients. And the selection of people we see them in predominantly are people on these diets yeah. that haven't done the research first. Yeah, definitely yeah. agree. And look, that's it's interesting you say that, just going next to the vegan and the vegetarian diets. One of my favorite things is having a client that will come in and they'll say, sit down. They'll be like, okay, I really want to go vegan. But before I do it, I want to make sure that I'm doing it in the right way. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I love you. High fives across the desk. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You know, that is so awesome. But unfortunately, yeah. it's often more the other we way. The other side so someone's coming in and they've got... Yeah, the, the low mood, the depression, the anxiety, the gut issues, you, you yeah, know, fatigue. so many different things going on. And they've been following, say, a vegan diet for X amount of time mm. and you go through it with them and they're not doing it properly. Yeah, Teenage um, girls are a big one. Like, definitely. Because I think too, like, and we were all teenagers yeah. a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you do, you jump on the trending thing at the time. Yeah. And you do do it because our bodies are resilient when they're younger, but yeah. they're not as resilient as we think. And obviously some girls, predominantly females, I guess, because that's what mm. predominantly who we see, are definitely mm. going to be more prone to any sort of mood disorder yep. or something. And then, you know, obviously yep. the the want or the need to be doing what's trending or popular at the moment yeah. can actually be so detrimental and it's kind of scary the outcomes that you see. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Girls and that's, that's it. And look, I think I've mentioned this to you before about a client that I had who, a male client who was vegan. He was working out a lot and not getting results and he was tired and he was hitting the gym all the time, was a personal trainer. He was quite thin and yeah, just you could you just see looking at him that he just didn't really have much muscle tone. And he came in and we reconfigured his diet, still keeping him vegan mm. and being a guy with testosterone. <laughs> um, within literally, you know, a couple of weeks, the response was amazing. Boys just, I they know. just get responded. They weight <laughs> like that, they build muscle like that. I know. Yeah, but that's, that's it. Perfect point. But it was exactly like about a- teaching him and mm. so he understood how to have enough protein, how yeah. to put meals together so it was getting protein, carbs and fats and mm-hmm. ticking the box of his of those macronutrients, how to eat before and after exercise, you know, so and stressing the body out. That's it. To trying to do good. Yeah. And I think that with the vegan diet, if it's done in the correct way, it can work. You can get a nice balance of still of the Absolutely. I think the the cooked and the raw foods, plants um, and plant based foods are definitely the core you can get the ample protein, but you have to be aware that there will be potential deficiencies long term and you need to be on top of that. I think yeah. regular testing with your B12, 
keep an eye on your iron like obviously plant-based iron and you, you can do it but you, you do need to keep an eye on it yeah. i think you just have to ensure that there's that yeah. balance there and keep an eye on your gut function yeah like this is like that's again like obviously because of what we do but it's paramount to everything for your health so obviously if i like if you would love to be um i remember i went through a stage where i and I'm not saying obviously I didn't have the education behind me that I have now, but I went through a stage of wanting to, like I did vegetarian for a little while. I didn't, mm. I didn't last long, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just really tired and really run down and all these mm. things, and I couldn't work out why. Obviously, I know now why. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. I did vegan in my early 20s and. I was a complete example of a vegan nightmare. I think I was an example of a vegetarian nightmare. I was like, I'm going to have some broccoli and cheese. (laughs) Yeah, I was fruit for breakfast, maybe avocado and tomato on toast or on bread of some sort for lunch. And then in the afternoon, I or we would just Mm. binge eat on cookies and chocolate and stuff like that. Maybe cook up a big dial for dinner. I had no idea. I just thought being vegan was cool. And I thought it was healthy. I definitely was onto yeah, the whole health and them. Yeah, <laughs> but I had I didn't have any education or understanding of what I was doing. Yeah. So I look back on that and I can see, at the time, like the the gut issues I was starting gut to have, the fatigue, oh, so many different things that mm-hmm. were starting to occur and the deficiencies, um, and just from a lack of understanding. Yeah. So. You know, again, we're not dissing a vegan diet. We just want people to, any of it. It's just like, let's teach you how to do it properly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, next. Ooh, gluten and dairy-free. Next, yes. So, GF and DF, gluten and dairy-free. Yes, definitely. Krista and I are both gluten and dairy-free. Um, we've got a few of our own little quirks as well mm, yeah. that things we don't eat and avoid and so forth but it comes from understanding our bodies a bit of testing thrown in there <laughs> and <laughs> look working with gut health in the clinic it's a big part of what we do and a big part of what we see so they are very very common reactants however the fact that food is now presented more to the public in supermarkets on menus and so forth as gluten and dairy free does not mean that it is healthy and that is probably the biggest thing we want to get across eating gluten and dairy free can be really healthy if it's done in the same way but so can eating whole grains whole wheat and dairy if done in the same way i can eat a rubbish gluten and dairy free diet without question maybe we should do some sort of example oh. of that on instagram or something it'd be really fun <laughs> or like document it on video <laughs> both be like crazy psycho bitches <laughs> i just thought i was like wow that'd be amazing <laughs> you know like we could eat rubbish and yeah. still be gf and df you yeah. know um it's it's really about understanding nutrition again and looking at what yeah. are my healthy whole grain gluten-free grains yeah um, for my carbohydrate sources and then the dairy-free side, if I'm looking for alternates there for my mm. creaminess and for the addition of my different calcium foods, what whole food sources will I utilize and how I put that together? Yeah. Um, it's one of the biggest things at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And I think too, like there's, again, it is, and I know that 
again it is about working out what's right for each person like what you just said like we've obviously both been down the journey we we know our quirks and things mm. like that we i like i'm jess is a lot more um better than strict with dairy than i am i seem to fall off the bandwagon i can get away with it a little yeah, bit. yeah i more. think that's why yeah. i could i be pushing that wagon <laughs> i push that wagon sometimes <laughs> i'm like come here goat's cheese come here goat's salumi get a muck late um, <laughs> i was gonna do a goat noise but it was gonna be a sheep but it is, um, I had a point to my story before we went totally off track, um, about working out, like, I guess what's right. So one of the things that you don't want to see creep in is all these shit soy-based products. Yeah. Like, oh, I think a lot of people go, okay, dairy's not necessarily agreeing with me. I'll go to this. Read your labels. Like, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. I think if you, if obviously it would be best to come and, like, see someone and get advice, like just myself or another nutritionist or qualified practitioner who's you know experienced in this area but if you're doing this on your own i guess the Mm. take-home message would be read your labels if you can't pronounce a lot of the words even though it says gluten-free but you look at the back of it it's got (laughs) 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 some crazy long word that you can't pronounce the chemical name of good chance it's not meant to be in your body (laughs) and and obviously all the soy modulated products like i'm just yeah 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 the soy protein isolate and this and that and again just on another tangent to that which is probably a whole nother topic on its own with soy i think a lot of people are afraid of soy but if we're talking about the modified soy soy. the protein isolates and so forth but you know it's a it's a little different to people having organic tofu or tempeh or edamame beans like as part of a balanced diet yeah so like i totally yeah yeah i wish i could it's always one of my little quirks that i can't have yeah yeah so like if i could have tofu or tempeh yeah or edamame beans i would just be so happy (laughs) (laughs) i can't for reasons that we won't explain No, you just look, you walk down the supermarket aisle, don't you, in the mm. health food section, and it's just like, seriously? Like, this is health food? Seriously. Yeah. Like, the, um, I probably shouldn't name brands, but there's <laughs> one brand that does these whole range of all the gluten and dairy free and everything free biscuits, biscuits. and so forth. Oh, yes. Clients always find them. They do those yeah. mint slices yeah. and the Tim Tams <laughs> and, and like, stuff. They're like, look what I found. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> look what it. I found. No. <laughs> You know, that's that's definitely the main issue. But we're going to talk a lot more yeah. about gluten on another podcast. We really want to delve into gluten intolerance. I'm so passionate about, I suppose, inflammatory reactions in the gut with gluten. Like, I suppose, I think a lot of the time, I think we talk about, we sort of feel like we just pop everyone on a gluten-free diet, yeah. which isn't exactly what we do. But yeah. obviously, like you've always said, we do see that bias percentage of population, but I guess gluten has a whole other range of things that we, it want, does. we want to discuss. And it's important to discuss that so people understand. So we'll go into that mm. at a later date. On the next podcast. <laughs> so last on the list is FODMAP. Good old FODMAPs. <laughs> you got IBS? Go on a FODMAP diet. <laughs> oh, FODMAPs. So look, the FODMAP diet um, in a nutshell for me is about symptom control. I think there's... A small percentage of people who respond well to it because they probably they may have an underlying actual fructose intolerance, which is different. But FODMAPs is about taking away a collective of foods which are 
causing increased fermentation. And they're causing that fermentation because the gut microbiota is not in a good way. It's yeah? not happy. It's not a happy. It's another in the region. <laughs> so put you on a FODMAP diet, great, symptoms go down but we're not dealing with the underlying cause. Sometimes people can go on the diet and that's enough alone, but from our experience, usually the diet becomes more about just controlling symptoms and then there's a limited diet and then they're like, oh, I can't now, I can't eat this. And it becomes more and more and more boxed in. And then the nutritional deficiencies can start. So if you're going to do a FODMAP diet, you need to do it under the guidance of a practitioner, I think. You need to realize it's, low FODMAP not no FODMAP FODMAP. (laughs) and you need to ensure that you're working on your gut function at the same time and working with someone that will help you start to bring those foods back into your diet as your gut is ready because let's face it over over. (laughs) I was going to continue on okay keep going (laughs) no but then the other thing is too like the FODMAP isn't like well it's definitely symptom control we definitely both agree on that but who out of both of us have had a client that walks through our door and says, I'm on a FODMAP diet and I freaking love it. <laughs> I'm so happy with my food selection. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I know, that's it. <laughs> like, like it's so awesome not eating garlic. <laughs> or onion. It's really easy to go to restaurants. <laughs> my my wig doesn't smell like asparagus anymore. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I guess, that it's so restrictive and it's not doable long term. So yeah. most people fall off. The, well, okay, I shouldn't fall, say fall off the bandwagon, but it over time develops this. Either they just totally give up hope because they're like, if this is the only answer out there for me, then I can't stick to this because it's too restrictive. Yeah. And they just go stuff it. They just go stuff it, and they just deal with gut issues for the rest of their life. Yeah. So that's not a, that's not an option as far as or an answer as far as I'm concerned. Or mm. they go on the FODMAP diet, and it becomes that stressful that. And they start, and some symptoms do creep back in. Because like what you said, it's low FODMAP. It's mm. not no FODMAP. Mm. It's, I reckon, in a very small percentage is actually addressing what's going on. Like mm. what you said, the underlying fructose malabsorption or something like that. So that small percentage of people it works mm. for. The rest of them, like we're looking at bacterial stuff, bacteria are smart. Like these guys, mm. these little microorganisms in, like I love drawing my little pictures for my clients. <laughs> these guys are smart. They adapt. They do. You know, so it might give yep. you relief for a little t- a little bit of time and then something else will start mm. causing you drama and 12 months, 18 months, two years down the track, you've got this horrible relationship mm. with food where you're too scared to eat anything because your mm. symptoms are just, and you don't have answers. Yeah. And, and you, how many people do we see and just yes. they're, they're scared to eat and they're yeah. taking too many supplements or, oh, it's... it's yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing to see. It's really disheartening and... Yeah, that's right. Mm. You know, and I guess we both love working with those people and seeing them slowly regaining a relationship with food and ideally bringing mm. good quality food back in yeah. and not being so reactive. But, you know, even mentally um, and emotionally, that the, what they're going through and that, yeah. as you said, that fear that it sets up with the food is, is really, really problematic. And that's where I think the... FODMAP diet I don't know I kind of feel like it's become so accessible you know too like you can download the app and people come in and they've got the app on their phone and they're following and so forth and it's awesome that they're getting results and their symptoms are reduced but how many people are out there potentially listening right now 
that are doing exactly that. They've been on it for X amount of time and they're just starting to feel like this is reacting and that's reacting. Yeah, and, and it's stressing about every little thing they put into the match. Yeah. You lose, okay, so one of the biggest things I see is obviously, because we do see mostly a well, good percentage of women, mm. and they've got all this gut stuff going on and then it's been going on for that long, and they get to the stage where they're losing their, like depending on what kind, of, I suppose everyone has different, like loves in their relationship a lot of people's love is the love of food like sitting yeah. down and having a meal together like that's yeah. something you share with your partner or share with the person that you love and they can't go out and eat anymore because that's mm. stressful so it's even just starting to affect other things in their life it's yeah. not just oh they've got a few stomach issues it's, mm. it's affecting their relationship mm. with food it's affecting their relationship with their partner it's affecting their social life because they don't yeah. want to go out and be that person or yeah eat that food or have to be that person at the restaurant that says, I can't have this, can't have this. So they start really sectioning themselves. I know it sounds extreme, but we do Yeah, no, we do see it, exactly. it sounds extreme, but it's... Yeah, and that's usually wrapped up more so with these, more of an elimination-style diet, which is FODMAP is... I shouldn't throw that all at FODMAP. No. Well, it is, that's sort of the new elimination style, you know. There's plenty of other ones out there. Mm. You know, there's heaps of them, but essentially Mm. that's that's a pattern that starts to happen. So, you know, I feel like, <laughs> have we dissed? I, no, feel, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> does FODMAP have any good, is, like, any good points? It definitely does. Like, we it's a good that. diagnostic tool for us in that yeah. used in the right way, it helps us. And um, let's not say we do use it. We do. We'll use it in a controlled way yeah, to, control. once we get yeah. test results a yeah. lot of the time if we're doing like uh, comprehensive stool analysis or parasitology and we know what bacteria, yeast, parasites we're dealing Sebo. with. SIBO, yeah, definitely. We would look at incorporating FODMAP there, depending on what we're seeing. Yeah. But it would be done in unison with Anti-micro gut work. Gut and it would be done over a short to medium term, yeah. depending on how people were responding. Absolutely. So it's done in the, for me, the right way. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So it definitely has its place and there are some mm. foods that some people like definitely some of the FODMAP foods that some people never can bring back in like, yeah and that's, for sure but it's not the whole array yeah of them. that's it exactly and it's identifying that too because yeah. some people in fairness on the on the low FODMAP diet could probably be having half those foods yeah exactly like, half those foods that they're not having yeah and but mm. you don't know yeah yeah well, <laughs> okay, I guess so so. is there a take-home <laughs> message about the goodness? <laughs> I'm hoping we haven't dissed them all. I feel like we've talked positives and negatives yeah. overall. But I think that the main take-home message from all of that is that it's about finding what suits you and having a balanced approach to what suits your needs. And if you're inclined to push towards any of these sort of food trends or lifestyles or so forth, that's fine but make sure that it's still right for you yeah absolutely yeah yeah um if you have any questions or queries or anything of the like let us know um on social media posts or just leave a comment uh here on the uh, podcast that'd be great but otherwise we will chat to you super soon hey session at the end of next podcast and discuss anything you know if you want to leave any irate comments (laughs) about anything that we've said that you think is a little bit unfair whatever just hit us with it we don't mind yeah yeah we come from a place of love (laughs) (laughs) love of food that's it all right all right bye bye